Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How's it going? Hope you're having a great day so far. Welcome back to another breakdown of Boba Fett episode two. This by far was my favorite episode. I give it an easy 10 out of 10, simply because it really focused on world building and the lore of Star Wars. It really felt like Star Wars. Everything from the Pike Syndicate to Boba Fett's backstory, him having that trip in the desert and seeing little Boba Fett again, including that little scene that we've never actually seen before, which I believe was probably digitally created, to him overcoming his demons, and of course, in present time, seeing the huts and Black Kersantan. We got a lot to talk about and I'll be making a lot of follow-up videos to this one as well, so let's begin. As Fennec brings back the assassin that she captured, the door opened like it did for Luke in Return of the Jedi. We find out the assassin is part of a Nightwind clan, who are high-level assassins who were in power under the huts. They're essentially assassins for hire. After being fooled into thinking that he would be eaten by a Rancor, he gives it up that the mayor sent him to kill Boba. When we see the bottom of the Rancor pit, we see a large rock. This one is, I think, the one that Luke threw to close the gate and kill the Rancor in Episode 6 Return of the Jedi. Boba and Fennec travel to Mos Espa and barge into the mayor's quarters where the assassin is killed as the mayor says he can't operate outside of Hut space. And since the Huts don't rule Tatooine anymore, at least for the next few minutes, this is an illegal act, so the mayor's men shoot him. Now the mayor is an Ithorian. This is a species in Star Wars. His name is Mokshaiz. He assures Boba that he has no motive to kill him, so it wasn't him. Now whether he's telling the truth or not, I don't know. Boba asserts his position and dominance as Daimyo, and that the mayor only continues to live because he wills it. Now the mayor's tribute is advice to Boba, that running a family is more difficult than being a bounty hunter. And what I think he means by this is that being a crime lord is more difficult than bounty hunting meaning all the intricacies of ruling and the possible backstabbing that may occur without Boba knowing is so much more difficult than he thinks. When you're a bounty hunter, you really have to just worry about yourself, but when you're a crime lord, there are so many different people and things that you have to govern, and your tendrils can only reach so far as your empire grows and grows. The Huts did it pretty well, but of course there were more than just one. He may not be ready for the burden that he wishes to take upon himself. So the mayor sends him to Garza's sanctuary to seek all the answers he finds, and when Boba gets there, he finds out from Madame Garza that the Huts have actually reclaimed Tatooine, the cousins of Jabba, the twins. Boba doesn't believe it, 
As we hear drums and the nearing of the Hut Twins, everyone including Max Rebo and his band stop in their tracks. Now this is the present that I think Bobo wants to achieve through respect at the end of the show. And I'm thinking here, no matter you know how many seasons that we need to get, I would love for him to be this feared and this respected like the Huts are. And I think this is the point as to why Boba Fett was seen so, well, weak, sort of, in the first episode and even now. It's to show that this is the level that he needs to get at as what the Huts are. This level of power and prestige and respect that everyone is silenced as soon as they walk into a room or into a town. As the twins arrived, carried by Weakways and a couple Twi'leks, they tell Boba that Tatooine is now theirs. Now Boba doesn't care, and he stands his ground. And then the Huts laugh, and of course, who shows up? Black Kersantan. He walks up to stare Boba down. Now Black Kersantan is the most vicious Wookiee known to the galaxy. He is a feared bounty hunter, and much more dangerous than Boba Fett physically. Now, Trandoshans and Wookiees have a long rivalry with each other, and so it makes me wonder if Boba will team up with Bosk, eventually, in the show to fight Black Kersantan. He's definitely going to need help to beat this bounty hunter. Now, I'm going to make a ton of videos on Black Kersantan because he's very cool, and he's had a lot of run-ins with major characters, including Vader and Obi-Wan. Now, in the crime world, you can't just go around killing leaders, killing huts. You need permission from other leaders of the crime world to do so. You need their blessing, so to speak. So this is going to be very difficult for Boba to achieve. The Huts essentially say that, well, if we kill you here, it's going to be bad for business, so we're going to deal with you later. Sleep lightly, Boba Fett. So we know that trouble is brewing and things just got really heavy in Mos Espa. So what happens next is Boba goes back to his Bacta and we know that he didn't really get into any fights or anything, he just fully needs to heal and he's not quite there yet. So I feel like the more Bacta scenes we get, of course the more flashbacks we get as well, which to me is fun. I know a lot of people don't like the flashbacks, I think they're really awesome and it gives us a sort of hope that he does need to heal himself. It's like I almost want him to get beat up so that we get more flashbacks. That being said, I am very heavily invested in the present day of what is going on now during Mandalorian, you know, season two, so to speak, whereas Boba has now come across the huts. Now, his flashback that he's having in this back to tank is during the time of Return of the Jedi, and it's really the most beautiful bit of Star Wars that I've seen. If you didn't hear me in the beginning, I believe that this was probably the most heartfelt, mystic, heroic, and moving bit of Star Wars that I've seen since Revenge of the Sith. And for me, it even trumps the return of Luke Skywalker in The Mandalorian Season 2, simply because this episode in its entirety was so moving and so lore-filled and so beautiful and didn't just have the nostalgic and wow factor feel of a cool character returning, of my favorite character returning after Anakin Skywalker. So anyways, now that we're in the flashback, Boba is training with the gaffy stick and the Tuscan is teaching him. This is awesome. Proper training. I love seeing the progression happening here. I think the Tuscan that he's learning from is a woman and he might develop a relationship with her. Perhaps she dies in a fight later on and Boba goes berserk or something. Who knows? I feel like there's going to be some loss that might happen with Boba. The Tuscans are ambushed by a speeding train that shoots at them. Now these are the Pike Syndicate. They were prominent in the Clone Wars for selling spice. Spice was a drug that sold for a lot of money and it was mined in Corellia. 
Boba realizes how he can take the train down, as that night he sees those men riding on speeders through the desert, the same ones collecting the water from the moisture farmers in Book of Boba Fett Episode 1. Boba needs those speeders to take the train down, so he tracks them down and we end up at Tashi Station. This is pretty cool, because this is where Luke hung out as a teenager with his friends, and it's what we hear him say in Episode 4 about his power converters. Now there is a deleted scene from A New Hope that you can find on YouTube where you can see the inside of Tashi Station, and it's the exact same interior as the Tashi Station here in Book of Boba Fett Episode 2. This is great continuity. Now, if you thought that was cool, check this out. These two people, Cammy and Fixer, are the same two people in that deleted scene back in 1977, and Cammy and Fixer are actually Luke's close friends. Now, Cammy was Luke's crush as a teenager, and he had dreams about her on Octu in the Last Jedi novel, even thinking that he'd. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline marry her had he stayed on Tatooine and not followed Obi-Wan Kenobi to become a Jedi. It's a nice tie into episode 4 and it gives you that small town feel that Luke grew up in. So Boba takes them all out like the Terminator took out the bikers in the bar in T2 and stole their bikes as mentioned in last night's watch party. He heads back to the Tuscans and teaches them how to ride, as they eventually ambush the train and take out the pikes in a massive all-out battle. Boba eventually stops the train, they raid the goodies inside such as weapons, spice, water, and they have a talk with the pikes. The pikes are told they must travel back by foot, and every time they pass through the sands they need to pay a fee to the sand people. This is their land. I absolutely love this scene. It shows how protective Boba is of the people who saved his life from the pit of Carcoon. It also makes him much more humanized. You know, before he was kind of just like Vader. You didn't know much about him. You didn't know much about his personality. He didn't talk much. He just had this very cool presence and he was built up for decades as being this awesome bounty hunter. But now we get to see the man behind the helmet and we see that he is very loyal he is very trusting, and he has a very big heart, but if you cross him, he can be very, very ruthless. Now my favorite part from this show, the favorite line that I liked, was when the Pike Leader tells Boba that they thought that they were uncivilized raiders. And Boba tells him something to the effect of that they can live and they'll be protected by the Tuscans, however they need to return to the Pike Syndicate and tell them of these new terms that they need to pay the Tuscans whenever they travel through the sands. This is a demonstration of their civility. Kind of just throwing it right back in the Pike's face that hey, you didn't really know who you were dealing with. This was a huge Nathan Algren moment from The Last Samurai. Even the music chosen was very epic. I loved it. We then see Boba sitting around a fire. The leader of the Tuscans and others are with him. As we learn that there are many different Tuscan tribes, some having survived by killing. So this to me means that some tribes, like the ones who kidnapped Shmi Skywalker and killed Anakin's mother, probably were the jerks of the Tuscans, whereas this tribe are more civilized, more noble, 
and just more kind. Otherwise, if this were the tribe that took Anakin's mother, they probably would have killed Boba already. So the leader gives Boba a gift, and it's a lizard that jumps up his nose, awakening his spirit and making him face his demons. Now I got quite the breakdown for this scene. As Boba is guided by the lizard, he wanders the desert in a crazy trip as he sees things from his past as a little boy that we have never seen before. Boba running along the halls on Kamino as he watches his father Jango Fett take off for business is a scene that we have never seen, and it seems to be digitally recreated with Daniel Logan's young face as little Boba, which is awesome. Boba is entangled by a tree while this is all happening, which to me feels like symbolism for his inner demons and fears restricting him, much like the Sarlacc did. Perhaps fears of never having closure with his father who passed too soon at the hands of Mace Windu in the Battle of Genosis. We see young Boba's face reflected on the window, and I think this is also a metaphor for seeing his life from behind a window, kind of like he's trapped. Or when we saw the reflection of his face on the helmet of Genosis, it was like he was stuck behind this legacy of his father. And now is the time to follow a new path to be freed to follow his own path, perhaps. Now the breaking of the tree is symbolic of him breaking through his demons, I think, and perhaps overcoming them, washing them away like the ocean that we see splashing. As Boba is guided back to the village, he brings the piece of the tree with him as he is donned in new Tuscan robes and taught to create his own gaffy stick with the tree he returned upon his voyage. This is all very beautiful and very meaningful. They all surround him by the fire that night, and they dance a spiritual and meaningful haka, indoctrinating Boba as one of their own. Now, a Tuscan, part of the tribe. I also really love how Tamora Morrison was incorporating Maori tradition in his battles, in his fights, and you can just see the expressions on his face. I love how he did that. This episode was beyond beautiful to me. It was very moving and very exciting with so much world building, so much lore, and so many theories that can be built off of this one episode alone. Like what are the pikes going to do? What's going to happen with that? Could we see a piece of Crimson Dawn? Could we see Kira returning perhaps? Maybe flashbacks of Maul? What will happen with the huts? What will happen with Black Chrysanthemum? which I'll be making many videos upon so that you know exactly who he is when he shows up again. I'm beyond fulfilled right now as a Star Wars fan. I loved where this episode took me, and I loved the length of it. It was great. I feel like every episode should be at least this duration, especially if they just have seven episodes. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed this one. I know I did. Easy 10 out of 10 for me. Leave a like on this breakdown if you enjoyed it, and I'll see you all in the next video on Star Wars Theory. Until then, remember, the Force will be with you always.